Hey guys, it's Rebecca and Lily, and you're listening to Just Ghouly Things. Hey guys, welcome back to Just Ghouly Things, and we're your beautiful hosts, Rebecca and Lily. Hello. So I know this is going to be coming out um, on November 2nd? 2nd. Or 3rd? November 3rd. I don't know. Whatever. It's coming out on a Sunday, but it's after Halloween, but we're recording this on Halloween. So, happy Halloween. Happy Halloween, boo things. Every day is Halloween. True. When you're listening to just ghouly things. I like the way you think. Mm-hmm. That's how you have to, I always try to keep a positive mindset, you know? Can't relate. So, <laughs> so that's so dark. <laughs> I always, whenever I think to myself, I think, I think you know think positive, look on the bright side. All I can ever think of is that song in Legally Blonde when they're like, keep it positive. Oh my God. That's all I can think of. So we actually have a special guest on today, Boots, in the other chair. Boots is one of the many cats that hates me for no reason. I thought you were going to say the many cats that Rebecca has because... Oh, that too. I was watching your story (laughs) on National Cat Day and it was like... I had seven cats. It was like, you know when you keep on seeing like... When you, like, Google a celebrity, I know this happens, and you find out they have, like, 12 kids. Yeah. And you're like, they just, they kept coming. Yeah. And you're like, is this a joke? Yeah. But, yeah, so, yeah, we have Boots that lives with Mike and I, and she just looked at me like, say my name, talk shit. Um, and then the first two cats I've ever had was Cleopatra <laughs> and Pepper. Pepper. I love that Yeah, name. those are my OG kitties. They're still alive and kicking it. Um, they're like 13, 14. Mm-hmm. And then my mom just rescued uh, four kittens because this cat that she fed outside ended up becoming pregnant. Oh, I remember uh-huh. that. So there's the gray one, which is Gracie May. It's spelled G-R-A-Y-C-I-E. Of like course. Gracie. How the hell else would you spell it? The, bla- the, one, the, the black female one is called Boo. How did it do something spooky? Yeah. Saw, yeah. Um, then the orange cat is called Leo. Aww. And then the newest cat, which... Um, was one of their brothers that we couldn't catch for the longest time. Yeah. Um, but now he's in the house. He's checked out. Everything's good. His name's Artemis. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. It's like, I know it's a goddess of hunting, and he was a big hunter, but it's actually a unisex name. So I was like, all right, we'll call him Artemis, and then shortly Artie. Oh, damn. I was thinking Sailor Moon. Oh, I've never watched Sailor Moon, so that would have went right oh, over my head. That's Does that work though? Yeah. Is Artemis There's a, a boy named, in the uh, uh, cat named Artemis? Oh, that's so cute. Okay, cool. And it's funny I'm happy. because I know someone with a cat named Luna, which was like the oh, other cat. Yeah, Luna's a cute Luna name and too. Artemis. That's Where super are my, cute. my Moonies at? I think that's what they call Sailor Moon. Friends. I feel like we probably have a few Moonies listening to moonies. us. I, I did uh, cosplay one time. That one time? Very, very, very casual cosplay, but. Um, one of the girls, we all followed each other, the whole like squad. And one of them, she posts a Sailor Moon picture of her cosplays. I mean, these girls that I was with, like do cosplay. Oh, it's insane. People spend like thousands and making their own so intricately. Like the foam stuff that you heat with a hairdryer and like you bend it and you paint the shit. Like I literally, uh, anyways, um, she posts every Monday, Mooney Monday, and it's hers like a different Sailor Scout. And I just like, I oh, live cool. for it. Yeah. See, I could never get into cosplay. Like, I don't really understand like a lot of the different characters that are being portrayed. But I yeah. think it's so dope seeing like how these people create these costumes and how they can completely transform themselves. Yeah. I think I, that's really yeah. cool. I get shocked by um, 
how many people can pull off any hair color with wigs? Right? You know, like literally they're brunette, then green hair, and I'm like, Ugh. And sometimes these wigs look so real. I know! I bought myself one of those silver wigs because, like, I kind of wanted to see how I'd look with silver hair. Yeah. And, I mean, I guess I have to go to somebody to, like, get it all shaped up to my yeah. head. But I was like, how do people make this look so good? Like, I had, like, the netting in my forehead. <laughs> like, it, my hairline was looking crazy. I just, yeah. But yeah. I think it's pretty cool. All right. Anyways, yes. guys. Um, one day we'll be famous enough and some people will cosplay as us. Oh, my God. All if no one dresses up as us for Halloween next year, I am causing a riot. Yes. Okay. Anyways, so today's episode is on haunted prisons. Yes. Yes. In the USA. Yours are all in the USA, right? Yes. Okay. I don't think I've ever announced the theme of an episode. Yeah, no. So that's- I'm really... I think you kind of just took that one on your own. I'm proud of this you. Is, this is a special week for me. It is. I don't know why. Okay. Because it's Halloween week. Duh. Halloween. Halloween. Yes. So, um, yeah. So we're going to be talking about different penitentiaries, haunted prisons, jails, all that stuff. Um, so, Lily, do you want to start? You already started the topic, so Let's you might as well it. go right into it. All right. Let me get my shit open. So... One of mine is Ohio State Reformatory. Okay. Shockingly in Ohio. So a little Really, it's not in Kansas? I know, right? It's so misleading. <laughs> so a little history on it. It was built in 1834, and it was actually the second Ohio penitentiary, the third state prison, and the fourth jail in early Columbus. Okay. In April 1955, it housed an all-time high of 5,235 prisoners. Wow. Yeah. Ohio, you are one dangerous place. <laughs> Most prisoners were removed um, from the prison by 1972 with the completion of the Southern Ohio Correctional Facility, and the facility was then closed in 1984. So the they sold the Ohio Penitentiary to the city of Columbus in 1995, and it was actually made famous by the film Shawshank Redemption. Oh. It was, that was used for majority of the movie. That's cool. Yeah, it's awesome. Oh, I, I've never known that. Yeah, so it was, and it's a beautiful building. If you look it up, like, it does not, it looks like a castle. Like, one should be so lucky as to be an incarcerated, alleged criminal. <laughs> We do have to. I like that. Um, So 154,000 inmates uh, came through, passed passed through the massive gates during its 94 years as a working prison, though quite a few ever made it out alive. Foreshadowing. Yeah, right? So... In July of 1948, the reformatory's farm boss, his wife, and daughter were kidnapped and shot to death by two parolees bent on revenge. And this Mm. is kind of the beginning of the end, or the beginning Mm. of kind of like the downfall. Um, A six-state manhunt for the so-called mad dog killers ended in a shootout, which left Robert Daniels of Columbus in custody and his partner James West dead. I'll get the chair, uh, Daniels told police as he signed the <laughs> confession. At least wow. he knew. At least he knew. He was like, yeah. Power like, moves. Uh, yeah, right? Almost like you, 
Honestly, that would be me. Like, yeah, I know it's going to happen. Yeah, you know what? Let me just sign this now. Let's not waste any of our time. I remember one time I had a bit of a situation at school with uh, another kid, and I had to go to the principal's office, and I sat down, and I was like, okay, what's my punishment? (laughs) And the principal was like, wait, what? And I was like, yeah, like, I honestly... Lay it on me. Like, exactly. He was like, you're not going to tell me what happened? And I was like, I mean, yeah, like, I'll give you a rundown, but truthfully, like, I know I'm going to get in trouble. Just let me know. I I respect that. <laughs> like, I, I didn't have time for bullshit, right? <laughs> you know? I feel like you would have thought the same. You'd be like, yeah, like, lay it on me. Yeah. You're right. For real. Um, so on January 3rd, 1949, he did, in fact, get the chair. And then a year later, 1950, disaster struck again. This time, it was in the quarters, uh, the living quarters of the warden. So the warden's wife was removing a jewelry box from a closet shelf, and she dislodged a, pit- a pistol from its hiding place. And when it hit the floor, it went off, inflicting a fatal wound. And within the decade, there was even more bad luck. The warden, who was hard at work in his office, suffered a heart attack and died. Mm, okay. Yeah. So, I mean, when you look at a lot of these prisons also, of course there were lots of deaths. Mm-hmm. Because it's a fucking prison. Yeah. But looking at this and having a lot of it be people who weren't inmates. Cursed. Yeah. That's what I'm getting. So, now I want to move into the claims. Okay. So, News Channel 4 from Columbus, Ohio in 1997 said that pe- the, some of the claims that are heard are men and women talking, but too faint to understand, but too persistent to ignore. And it was chilling to listeners who think they're alone only to find themselves apparently eavesdropping on the warden and his Ooh. wife locked forever in an endless conversation from beyond the grave. I think I know how the conversation's going. I told you a million fucking times, I don't want that gun in this damn house, okay? This is why we locked this shit up, okay? You see this? I was trying I was to get a- to my freshwater pearls and you <laughs> killed me. What the fuck? <laughs> That's what you guys don't hear. <laughs> yeah. That's debunked. That's <laughs> Zach Bagans debunked. You get the big stamp, boom. <laughs> yeah. Literally. Oh, I by the way, that video something. of the Ghost Adventures spoof. Oh, yeah. My, yeah. Dad, my dad, I guess, talked that you tagged me, and he was like, this is the best thing I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah, He yeah, goes, yeah. I'd watch this over the real Ghost Adventures. I'm like, Dad, don't hit on Zachy Poo like that. How dare you? Oh, my God, yeah. Hysterical. Well, Ghost Adventures went to this jail, too, actually. So oh. we'll get to that in a Okay. So we have a story of the horrifying suicide of inmate number 54673. Ooh. Which I think is funny because I know this is weird, but I noticed all those numbers are one run in a row. Like, they're all... They don't go in numerical order, but you have number three, then four, four. then oh. five, then six, then seven. Well, I would have never gotten that pattern. Yeah, yeah. Very attentive. So this uh, inmate was James Lockhart, and he doused himself with turpentine. And I don't know what turpentine is, um, if it's an actual object. or Because I have heard, like, what is this turpentine? Um, I've heard of it, too, but I can't think of what it is off the top of my head. Yeah. Um, and paint thinner. And then he set himself on fire and burned himself alive in his cell. So... Oh, it's Pinewood, by the way. 
Oh, gotcha. So it's like a liquid. Um, Violet pungent oil distilled. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, so, and this was in his cell. And according to another inmate, his body, this gets graphic, peeled off in chunks <gasps> as they pulled him oh, no. along the catwalk to the infirmary. Mm. And to this day, Lockhart is said to be among the most violent spirits still trapped on the cell uh, Yeah. Uh. Okay. <laughs> Gross. And then there's also a room called the chair room, and according to the stories, the room is home to a dark entity who hates it when people sit in his chair. Oh, okay. Yeah. So this is something that I also found interesting. I found a website um, where Nick Groff from Ghost Adventures, mm-hmm. uh, he holds tours just around wherever and you can sign up and kind of go with him he'll tell you things so i found a woman um dana matthews from weekendweird.com i feel like a uh an actual like journalist when i give like a source gives source once (laughs) so just like a little thing from so she uh wrote a whole account of her experience so okay. obviously I didn't copy and paste the whole thing. I just kind of took the highlight highlights and everything. Mm-hmm. So she says, what started as a fun meet and greet with the star and executive producer of Ghost Adventures ended up being a night of scares, strange whispers in the darkness, and an attack by an unseen force. So, you know, just your average night on the yeah. Roth tour. <laughs> so... One of the men on the tour, his name was Michael Humphrey, and he was a former Ohio State Re- Reformatory um, inmate and t- and now turned tour guide. Glow up. Yeah, right? So they went to the chair room, and then there was also a place that they called The Hole, oh. and a few of them <coughs> were there. So they said when they were in The Hole, she and a couple other people on the tour, separately and without each other's knowledge, all felt drawn to one singular and particular cell. And at one point, they all huddled around the darkened bars to conduct to conduct an impromptu EVP session. And when they played back the digital recording, the audio appeared to capture a man whispering the answers to their questions. Ooh. So I'm going to post a link to our Facebook page. Um, I'm going to set a reminder on my phone so I really will do it in, in a timely manner. Um... And I listened to the video, and it sounded pretty good. Legit. I, I couldn't, I personally couldn't make out what they were saying, and they didn't put subtitles or anything, but it's it just sounds like a whisper. Okay. So. But that's like the claims of, you know. Yeah. And again, it was, it was faint, but mm-hmm. I mean, when it also, considering that it's a recording of the noise, and then a recording of the recording of the noise, I always kind of give it a little leeway. Yeah. Um, there, there was definitely an answer. So, they all go into the chair room, and as Mike tells it, right, the kind Mm -hmm. of guide, uh, he says, if you move the chair away from the center of the room, the entity will move it back. And apparently, he had experienced this phenomenon himself one day after sliding the chair to the back of the room. So he made his way to the floor below, and just as he reached the landing, he heard the unmistakable scrape of the chair moving back to its original spot. Ooh. Except there was no one else in the building. 
can't see Rebecca's face right now, but she's just puzzled. I'm just, I'm, you know, I'm so used to, like, all these paranormal stories that, like, I didn't even expect anyone to be in the other room. Like, no, nope, it was a ghost. It was a ghost. Before you even said, you know, you heard it move in the other room being put back yeah. to place. I'm like, it's a ghost. What else would it be? Why that's would like, it be a human? That's like that one story that I read a while back yes. about the creepy people on the bus. Because you keep on thinking she's going to turn around, they're gone, and they were still there, still yep. there. Yeah. Anyways. So, that's, you know, always spooky. So, they took turns sitting in the chair and Michael did some like provoking, which okay. they said they don't condone. <laughs> but um, he told the entity again that he was going to drag the chair outside and smash it up into firewood. And apparently, whatever he did worked, but a little too well. Okay. So after 10 minutes of absolutely nothing out of the ordinary, Greg suddenly stumbled forward. Uh, one of the men who was there, nearly falling to the ground. Visibly shaken, he explained that he'd felt something push on his back as if he was in a crowded room and someone had bumped into him in an attempt to get by. Which I feel like we've all had happen to oh, us. Oh, for sure. And if I was in a room with, you know, what, four or five people, I, you know, you would know if it was an accident or not. Oh, for sure. It's not like, you know, if you're in like a fucking mosh pit and you feel something, you're like, oh! it's a ghost it's probably like it's probably metal. yeah yeah so and then there's another they uh have another video it was a really informative article i read the whole thing awesome. and i only included a couple um we'll definitely things. link it to you guys the day that this comes out you know what i realized you can actually schedule posts on facebook i was just gonna tell you after this yeah yeah so i'm gonna do that as soon as i get home um but interestingly enough there was he had a scratch on his back. Mm-hmm. Let me show you that picture real quick. This is what he had. Like three handprints. I was going to say three. Yeah. And it's funny. You see th- uh, three handprints a lot or uh, scratches. Satanic. Yeah. Um, but apparently none of the skin on his back was broken. And while the mysterious marks looked like scratches, they actually appeared to be welts. Ooh. So now I have the ghost adventures. Um, just I found on the wiki the highlights okay. of the things that happened. So they had a visual sighting where Nick claims he saw or heard something moving in a cell, which mm-hmm. is common. Yeah. Um, an orb, they had an apparition where an orb is captured on Nick's camera inside the cell, and they prove that it is not a bug. It's a floating white mist that appears to walk behind Zach from one cell to another. And Nick claims he, quote, felt something in a prisoner's cell, though Zach didn't receive any spikes on an EMF detector. Okay. And then they had uh, some unidentifiable unidentifiable uh, noises. They had footsteps, the cell door slamming, breathing, and growling. Uh, Told you, demonic. Yeah. Growling is always growling and a child's laughter. Oh, both both are just as horrifying as yeah. the other. Yeah, yeah. Um, they had another visual sighting where Zach claims that he saw the silhouette of a head on the upper floor of the cells. Mm-hmm. They had physical contact. Nick feels his face and body go numb in cell thirteen. There you go. 
You know, a lot of buildings don't have 13 floors. I know. I noticed that on like not too long ago, probably a few years ago. And I was like, why isn't it a 13 floor? My dad said in older buildings, they never put them in because of superstition. Yeah. Newer ones do though, but it just shows you like how society has like kind of like <laughs> changed and like, all right, like 13 is not that bad of a number, but I don't know. There's yeah. some consistent patterns and here. And they're probably like, we in it now. It's been a hundred years. We can't just add a floor and change numbers. Like, yeah. That's when the mail room goes, get, goes to shit. <laughs> um, they had EVPs that sounded like, I, I'll chew you. They heard a breath. They heard, you got more than me. Hang. Run, Sarah. Sorry, Sarah. Sorry. And then growling again. Now, you know it says, I'll chew you? Mm-hmm. Now, I think, like, chew you doesn't make sense, right? So what I'm thinking is, like, if this was kind of like a mumbled EVP, what if it was saying, I'll shoot you? Ooh, I'll shoot you. Like, the gun and... Yeah. I, I mean, know. I've heard, like, I'll chew you up and spit you out. But oh, I feel like that would have been the whole EVP. Yeah. But, yeah, I'll chew you. Do you ever sometimes you hear something slightly different? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Well, I think psychologically, too. Like, I know this a lot, like, when I watch Ghost Adventures, and they'll go over an EVP, and I'm like, there's literally nothing in that EVP. And then they're like, oh, he said this. And then when and you then have you that in your it. mind, then you hear it. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> let's see. Where did I leave off? Okay. Free-floating mist moves from one cell to another behind Zach near cell 13, uh-huh. where an inmate burned himself to death. Yeah. So that's where... That's where that happened. Okay, so his face and body might have gone numb because he burned himself alive. Ah, yeah. Um, other phenomena, the video goggles um, starts to have some sort of, I'm assuming video goggles means like when you look in yeah. the camera, have some sort of interference in Lockhart's cell, same guy, and the word database that they use gets drag, pass, and fly. And okay. just from reading this, that doesn't make much sense. No. But, you know, them's is the rules. <laughs> uh, more physical contact. I, there, I mean, there's a lot here. Uh, while down in the hole, Sarah claimed that it was hard to breathe and Zach starts to get dizzy. So imagine having your name on an EVP, <laughs> right? Although Sarah is a common name, but, it, but, still, but yeah. still, that's spooky as hell. Um And then she said she, yeah, she felt something breathe on the back of her neck. And at the same time, a breath is captured on the digital recorder. So she has something to back it up. Yeah. And then there was some more physical contact. Again, with Sarah, she claimed that an unseen force pulled her hair. Mm. And then Aaron said he thought Zach was behind him. He felt someone behind him. But there was no one behind him. And then uh, last, they had disembodied speaking. But it was an unexplained voice. Couldn't figure out what it was. Couldn't hear what mm. it was. So I'd say there's a good amount of... Um, I think there's some substantial evidence that there, <laughs> there is paranormal haunting. Right. But yeah. that's interesting. Yeah, I think so. Cool. Yeah. All right. So um, are you ready for my next one? Bring it. So this one is a very famous federal prison. Um people that are into the paranormal, you had to have heard of this. Even if you're not, you've heard of this um, because it is called Alcatraz. Yes. 
So, also named The Rock, this federal prison on Alcatraz Island is located on the chilly waters of California's San Francisco Bay and has housed some of the America's most difficult and dangerous felons during its years of operation, which were the years 1934 mm-hmm. to 1963. And though the federal prison was only around for a few decades, this land has tons of history, starting... Um, Starting, you know, around 1775, and not only that, but the amount of violence and death that occurred within those concrete walls of the prison, um, it's almost impossible for this place not to be haunted. Like, honestly, there's just so much history behind it. This is the place with the crazy prison break, right? There's, yeah, there's tons of attempted escapes, but I'll get into it a little later because there's, like, they've never been able to prove any successful escapes. Yeah. But I'll go into that more. Sorry, I got excited. No, 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 no. That's good, though. So keep that thought. So uh, some background information on the island itself. So in 1775, Spanish explorer Juan Manuel de Ayala (laughs) mapped and named Alcatraz Island, christening it La Isla de los Alcatraces, which is um, Island of the Pelicans, which that was named due to the large population of seabirds. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is important to note, though, um, that even before this land was discovered by the Spanish explorer, there's evidence that shows that Native Americans did inhabit this land at some point, making this island most likely part of a Native American Indian burial ground. So Okay. Um, there's always something there. Yeah. So there's definitely some previously rooted history, even before 1775, but this was, like, the first time that it was actually, mm-hmm. like, discovered discovered by like someone before of course everything was taken over from Native (laughs) Americans so this is where like history kind of starts getting recorded um but keep this in mind about um, the Native Americans and the possible hauntings from them because this is going to relate to once the penitentiary was finally up and running okay so anyway um 75 years later in 1850 President Millard Fillmore which I didn't even know that was a president uh, signs an order reserving the island for military use, and during the 1850s, a fortress was constructed on Alcatraz, and some about 100 cannons were installed around the island pr- to protect San Francisco Bay. And during this time, Alcatraz became home to the West Coast's first operational lighthouse. Um, mm, and by I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, and by the late 1850s, the U.S. Army had begun to hold military prisoners on Alcatraz. So this was like the OG prisoners. <laughs> um, and isolated from the mainland by the cold, strong waters of the San Francisco Bay, the island was deemed an ideal location for a prison. It was assumed no Alcatraz inmate could attempt to escape by swimming and survive. So during its years as a military prison, the inmates at Alcatraz included Confederate sympathizers and citizens accused of treason during the American Civil War. Alcatraz also housed a number of rebellious American Indians, including 19 Hopis from the Arizona Territory, who were sent to the prison in 1895 following land disagreements with the federal government. God damn it. I know, right? Like, it's so crazy because a lot of this stuff you don't read about in our history books. Yeah. And once you actually dig into it, like, wow, we were really pieces of shit. Um, <laughs> so the inmate population at Alcatraz continued to rise during the Spanish-American War. And then during the early 20th century, inmate labor labor fueled the construction of a new cell house, which was a 600-cell structure that still stands today on Alcatraz, along with a hospital, mess hall, and other prison buildings. Mm -hmm. And according to the National Park Service, when this new complex was finished in 1912, it was the world's largest reinforced concrete building. Now, have you ever been to Alcatraz? 
I think my dad went a couple years ago. Okay. I went to Alcatraz in 2011 with my family. That's so and let me tell you, it was just such a surreal experience because I've yeah. heard about it. And back then, obviously, it was still into the paranormal. So this yeah. was always a place I wanted to go. Okay. And going there, we went in the summer and it was still freezing. The waters were so yeah, I think that's frigid. Yeah, my dad said. And um, it's huge. This place is massive, mm-hmm. massive. And you could just feel, I don't know if it's just the cold from like the water, but I mean, you just feel chills when you walk up there and just, you can feel only imagine. Yeah, you can only just imagine. What's also crazy, too, that I don't get into later into this research is that um, Alcatraz, they had grounds for the people that worked at the prison for their families and their Mm -hmm. children to stay there. Oh, okay. Which I find crazy. Like, I would never want to put my family on the same property where there's these, like, (laughs) criminals. Dad got relocated. We're moving to jail. Yeah, seriously. I just, I don't know. But um, money's money. So, True. All right. Now let's talk about when Alcatraz turned into a federal prison, which was from the years 1934 to 1963. So in 1933, the Army relinquished Alcatraz to the U.S. Justice Department, which wanted a federal prison that could house a criminal population too difficult or dangerous to be handled by other U.S. penitentiaries. So following construction to make the existing complex at Alcatraz more secure, the maximum security facility finally opened on July 1st, 1934, and the first warden, James A. Johnson, hired approximately one guard for every three prisoners. <laughs> Each prisoner had his own cell. That's crazy. So, yeah, I mean, it seemed like everything was well organized and everything was going as planned. Having your own cell. Yeah. It's probably just like staying in a shitty motel. <laughs> Pretty much, I mean. yeah. Or must have felt like it. Oh, for sure. Compared to other fucking And especially prisons. with this being a place where only the baddest of the bad are coming here, they're just going to treat you even worse than mm-hmm. what you were getting treated like before. Um, so the Federal Bureau of Prisons um, viewed Alcatraz as the prison system's prison, which is a place where the most disruptive inmates could be sent. Um, and they have very, like I said, they have very few privileges um, and they have to follow exact rules. Like nothing can be compromised. Okay. Um, and according to the Bureau of Prisons, Alcatraz typically held some 260 to 275 prisoners, which presented less than 1% of the entire federal inmate population. <laughs> so just think about that. 260 to 275 prisoners, less than 1% of the entire federal inmate population. That's bonkers. That's crazy. So, I'm trying to imagine. I know this is weird to say, but I'm trying to imagine what like it must have looked like, like in like the cafeteria area. You know what I mean? Or if they got outside, like I'm trying to picture that, and I, you know, it's just huge and barren and just yeah. white walls, and it's yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I've never been to prison, so I don't have anything to base it Same. off of. Yeah. I mean, you know, luckily we've been able to stay out of prison. But trip, <laughs> road trip, road just ghouly things. Yeah. Okay. So um, now I'm going to go into the famous inmates that were housed in Alcatraz. Oh, so, I'm listening. I'm about to burp. Okay. Among those <laughs> who did time at the Rock were the notorious Prohibition era gangster Al Scarface Capone, who spent four and a half years there during the 1930s. His arrival on the island generated headlines across America. Capone was sent to Alcatraz because his incarceration in Atlanta, Georgia, had allowed him to remain in contact with the outside world and continue to run his criminal operation in Chicago. He was also known to corrupt prison officers, but all that ended when he was sent to Alcatraz. And according to the biography Capone by John Cobbler, Capone once told the warden, 
It looks like Alcatraz has got me licked. Like, I love that. Yeah, so pretty much to go into that little experience is when Capone was sent to Alcatraz, and war- the warden, um, his job is to kind of be there for the orientation and kind of explain mm-hmm. some what's going on and meet them and mm-hmm. kind of get to know the person. So Capone was trying to sweet talk the warden of like course. he was able to do. And you'll see Capone come up in my next story as well, like my next uh, jail that I'll be talking about. Okay. Um, but the warden didn't budge with him and... It kind of shook Capone because he's like, wow, this has never happened to me. Was this the jail where he had like an armchair? He had no, like a really nice, oh, that but was that's going to be the next one I'm going to talk about. Oh, I'm yes. excited. Okay. So, and I'll show you the picture because it looks pretty cool. So, um, while he was on, while he was at Alcantara, he's had a variety of jobs, but Capone's time was not easy time. He had gotten to fight with other inmates. Um, and was placed in isolation while working in the prison basement and mate was standing in line waiting for a haircut, began exchanging words with Capone and then stabbed him with a pair of shears. Um, He also uh, eventually became symptomatic from syphilis, which was a disease he had evidently been carrying for years. Um, But then in 1938, he was transferred to Terminal Island Prison in South California to serve out the remainder of his sentence and then was released but then died um, in 1947 from the complications of syphilis. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, syphilis will get you. Yeah, that's just uh, down get yourself checked, you know? <laughs> and then other famous or infamous Alcatraz inmates include George Machine Gun Kelly, who spent 17 years there on a oh, kidnapping yeah. conviction, gangster Alvin Creepy Carpus Ka- uh, Karpovitz, <laughs> Um, he was listed as public enemy number one by the FBI in the 1930s and spent over 25 years behind bars at Alcatraz. Holy shit. Um, he actually reportedly spent more time than any other prisoner in Alcatraz. And then there was also murderer Robert Strode, who was known as the Birdman of Alcatraz. Um, and he was transferred there after three decades at the federal penitentiary in Leavenworth, Kansas. But no, he was not able to keep birds at Alcatraz like mm. he was able to at Leavenworth. So that just shows you how strict and how they were not willing to negotiate at Alcatraz. Like, once you're there, there's no joking around. There's they had a lot of big people there. Yeah. Well, I mean, these people were big for a certain reason. It's because they were dangerous. That's exactly why they were sent to, um, they were that less than 1%. True. I can, I can imagine them, like, waiting, and then they're like, holy shit, machine gun Kelly! Yeah, yeah, oh, my man! man. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So I also want to talk now, more importantly, about the attempted escapes. Oh. So over the years, there were 14 no attempts um, to escape from Alcatraz, including 36 inmates. And the Federal Bureau of Prisons reports that these would, these would be escapees, that 23, 23 were captured, six were shot and killed during their attempted getaways, mm-hmm. two drowned, and five went missing and were presumed drowned. Yeah. Now, presumed drowned. Keep that in mind. Now, the most famous escape attempt resulted in a battle from May 2nd to May 4th of 1946 in which six prisoners overpowered cell house officers and were able to gain access to weapons, but not the keys needed to leave the prison. So in the ensuing battle, the prisoners had killed two correctional officers and injured 18 others. It was so big that the U.S. Marines had to be called in, and then the battle ended with the deaths of three of the rogue inmates and the trial of three others, two of whom received the death penalty for this happening. So now you may be wondering from when I said, what do you mean presumed drowned? So this actually happens to be my favorite story that I learned while I was in Alcatraz. I heard about this yes. one. So, um, because you actually got to see the cell in which this happened. You got to see, no yes. So on June 11th, 1962, 
Frank Morris, John Anglin, and Clarence Anglin successfully carried out one of the most intricate escapes ever devised. So behind the prisoner's cells in cell block B, where the escapees were interned, was an unguarded three-foot-wide utility corridor. The the prisoners chiseled away the moisture-damaged concrete from around an air vent leading to this corridor using tools such as metal spoons and forks uh, soldered with silver from a dime and an electric drill improvised from a stolen vacuum cleaner motor. And the noise was disguised by accordions, which were playing during mm-hmm. music hour, which was about an hour and a half. This one was so Yes. Hard. And their progress was concealed by false walls, which in the dark recesses of the cells fooled the guards. And the escape group then led up through an air vent, a shaft large enough for a man to climb through. And stealing a, carburun- uh, a carborundum cord from the prison workshop, the prisoners had removed the rivets from the grill and substituted dummy rivets made of soap. The escapees were given over 50 rubber raincoats from other inmates to use as a raft for the trip to the mainland, which they then... Mom, I don't need to talk to you. (laughs) Which they prepared on top of the cell block, um, concealed of the guards by sheets which had been put over the sides. Mm -hmm. So this part, they left paper mache heads in their cell bunks. So that they put it over their, they put a sheet over it so that when a guard would walk by, they just thought Mm -hmm. they were sleeping in their beds. Like that um, shit you do when you're a teenager. I mean, I never did it. When you're trying I to, like... I cool enough. But, like, on either. TV, when they take the pillows and everything. And they try to, like, make it like they're sleeping yeah. there. Yeah. They escaped through a vent in the roof and departed Alcatraz. And it was really cool because you actually got to see, like, the paper mache. No way! Yeah, it's pretty cool. Pretty cool. I didn't know they so, went through the roof either. That's information. Yeah. That's how, like, the vent system worked. So the official investigation by the FBI was aided by another prisoner, Alan West, who was supposed to be part of the escapees group but was left behind. West couldn't fit in through the hole that he made, so he kept trying to chip through and break through. But when Morris and the Anglin brothers accelerated the schedule, West desperately chipped away, but just by the time he made it through, his companions were gone. So hundreds of leads and theories have been pursued by the FBI and local law enforcement officials in the ensuing years, but no conclusive evidence has ever surfaced favoring the success or failure of the attempt. Mm. So um, from... Let's see, the investigation was from 1962, and then December 1979, they finally treated it as closed. The official report of the escape concludes that the prisoners had drowned in the cold waters of the bay while trying to reach the mainland, it being unlikely that they made it 1.25 miles to shore due to the strong ocean currents in the cold sea water, um, which the temperatures were ranging from like 50 to 55 degrees Fahrenheit at the time. So, but did you know that each year, hundreds of athletes participate in the Escape from Alcatraz triathlon, proving that with training in proper gear, it is possible to swim from Alcatraz and survive. Which this event started in 1980. The event includes a 1.5 mile swim to San Fran plus an 18 mile bike ride and 8 mile run. But in recent years, the US Marshals Service case um, file still remains open and active. Morris and Angling brothers remain to be on the wanted list, and circumstantial evidence uncovered in the early 1910s. 2010s (laughs) seemed to suggest that the men had survived and that contrary to the official FBI report on the escapees raft had never been recovered and no car thefts had been reported, a raft actually was discovered on nearby Angel Island with footprints leading away and a car had been stolen on that same night that the escape by three men who could have been Morris and the Anglins and that officials engaged in a cover-up. 
Holy shit. Yep. So relatives of the Anglin brothers presented further circumstantial evidence around the mid-2010s in support of a longstanding rumor that they had fled to Brazil following the escape. A facial recognition analyst concluded that one piece of physical evidence, a 1975 photograph of two men alleged to be John and Clarence Anglin, did not support that conclusion. So it's still up in the air, but I feel like they may have escaped. I think they, they... My guess is that... They made it, but I don't know how long. Yeah, you I know what know. I mean. Because if I mean, I was thinking about it, and like, yeah, it would be hard to swim or row on that. But yeah, the the coast of San Francisco, at least from what I heard and what I ju- you know just heard, uh, nothing. Nothing. If you want to have the defense of with the current, they wouldn't have made it. You can't say nothing washed ashore. Yeah. You know, because, like, one of these things is not like the other. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Fascinating. So, um, the federal penitentiary was then shut down in 1963 because it was just too expensive to keep it up and running, especially mm-hmm. after taking into consideration all the um, resources had to be imported in by ship, and it's just significantly more expensive yeah. than it being inland. Um, but during the nearly three de- decades of operation, Alcatraz housed a total of 1,576 men. So, um, and then in 1969, a group of Native Americans led by Mohawk activist Richard Oakes arrived in Alcatraz Island and claimed the land on behalf of of Indians of all tribes. Then, um, but then they were removed uh, by order of President Richard M. Nixon in 1971. And then the island became part of the Golden State National Recreation Area in 1972 and was open to the public. And then mm-hmm. today, some one million tourists visit Alcatraz each year. Holy shit. I Nuts. would love to be one of those one million. You got to. Got to make a trip to North Cali. So um, now to the ghoulie thing stuff. So... Almost every guard and official who served their time, who served there in the early 1960s experienced something out of the ordinary and said that park rangers occasionally still reveal shocking supernatural secrets. So during its time as a penitentiary, both inmates and guards reported a wide range of ghostly activity in the prison. It's reputedly haunted by the ghosts of Native American prisoners and mm-hmm. officials who perished on the island during the American Civil War and as mm-hmm. the military prison. Prisoners, many of whom were declared insane after time served at Alcatraz, reported peculiar whispering sounds in the middle of the night, floating blue lights and figures moaning and the clanking of chains and cells, which were known to be unoccupied. Guards initially laughed at the claims of ghosts by inmates, but as time progressed, some were reported to have experienced unusual activity themselves, including feeling cold spots, unseen fingers on the back of their neck, and crying in the night. The first warden of Alcatraz, James A. Johnston, the one I was talking about earlier, yeah. was reputed to have heard a woman sobbing while conducting tour of the prison. Occupants of the prison reported seeing prisoners from the early military prison in 19th century garb walking around the corridors in A Block, which would disappear when approached by the guards, and one member of staff reportedly saw a gang of Native American prisoners marching around in a circle before vanishing. Phantom gunfire, cannon blasts, mm-hmm. and fire alarms go off on their own accord. Ooh, um, and then, spooky. Yeah, and then the warden's house, which is kind of a burnt-out shell since the occupation of Alcatraz, has also been reported to be haunted. Um, and then also other accounts during the time of the penitentiary being open, some guards reported seeing the specter of a of man in mutton-chop sideburns during a party wearing a gray <laughs> suit and brimmed hat 
leaving the room icy cold and extinguishing the fire in the Ben Franklin stove. Um, and then there's former inmate Leon Witty Thompson, who worked as a guide for at Alcatraz for many years and later visited, visited regularly before his death in 2005. He had believed that Alcatraz Island is haunted and stated that he could feel it when he was incarcerated Ooh. there. He later believed that um, the prison to be damned and often had the sense of being watched by spirits. And during his time in the prison, Thompson became friendly with an inmate named Johnny House, which was a big Texan guy. And he saw him on October 25th, 1962, and when he left Alcatraz, he knew he'd never see House again. Mm -hmm. Um, And then one day in the 1980s, when Thompson was alone in the cell house waiting for visitors to arrive for a tour, he claimed to see a large, dark figure at the end of the Michigan Avenue corridor. And when he saw the apparition walk around the corner and out of sight, he just knew that that was the ghost of Hoss. Like, he could feel it. He goes, I don't care what anyone says, that was Johnny Hoss. And that was kind of like his last time seeing him. Because remember, he was like, I don't yeah, think yeah. I'll ever see him again. And then of, years later. Kind of. Like, kind of sweet, sweet, right? I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So um, to those that want to go to Alcatraz now after this, and you're thinking, how do I meet the ghost of Alcatraz? Well, I'm going to kind of give you um, a few little pointers on some places you'd want to visit, which are the highly um, haunted places. So first, visit cell 14D. 14D is one of the cells that prisoners were sent to as punishment. Mm -hmm. Visitors often feel raw coldness enveloping in the room, more like one spirit is still there. Um, In the 1940s, a man actually died in cell 14D. The guards found him strangled on the floor of his room. Um, Mm -hmm. And rumor has it that on the night before his death, he kept screaming that a creature with glowing eyes was trying to kill him. So it seems like satanic stuff happening. But if that doesn't scare you, go ahead and explore the cell yourself. (laughs) So, and you can also take a walk through cell blocks A, B, and C. This is where Alcatraz visitors frequently hear crying and moaning. And in addition to that, a psychic reported encountering a malevolent spirit named Butcher here. Um, And if you're wondering who the hell is Butcher... Records show that a, named, a, nick, a man nicknamed Butcher was assassinated here back in the 1940s. So there's some connection uh, there. Um, also, listen for banjo music in the showers. So Al Capone, which was the famous American gangster, spent his years in Alcatraz drumming along with the prison's banjo band. Um, and due to fearing that he'd be killed if he dared to play the banjo out in the open, he resolved to practice in the showers. Some say you can still hear the banjo playing here on occasion. I could get down with some Capone banjo. Right? Why I mean, not? I'm, I'm always down for, like, you know, I guess it could be kind of folky. Why not? You know? So, gotta do something. But, yeah. So, that is all my information Holy on Alcatraz. Shit. I know there's it was a so lot to unpack. Much. I know. But there was just... I wanted to try to break this down as little as possible, but there was just so much I couldn't... You know, yeah. I that's... Couldn't. That's crazy. That's one of those that, like... There's definitely a thousand percent more accounts, but you just don't have time. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's... I don't even... I can't compete with that mm-hmm. with mine. I did two kind of tinier ones because I knew that the ones you were doing were going to have a lot. Yeah. So, I'm, just, I'm sorry. I'm just stuck on the banjo. <laughs> I'm still trying to picture that. Do you think he had the weird little things they put on their thumbs? When they play banjo, have you ever seen Definitely. those? Yeah. I feel like he did. I feel like if he used those, though, he'd, like, stab someone's eye out. True. Give me your money. <laughs> I'll banjo oh, you to death. What so, an accent. Yeah, I'm pretty... That's exactly what he sounded like, actually. <laughs> I'm very well... You're I, actually the reincarnation of Al Capone. You know what? I would... 
it, it would not be surprising. No, it would be. Never mind. I'm not. I think they also, didn't they get him on, like, tax evasion? Yeah, that's why he was in jail. Yeah. All right. So, I have the old Montana State Prison. So, this has a fascinating kind of history as to why it was kind of put together. So, it was newly formed Montana Territory. It says in 1867. So in response to rampant lawlessness and vigilante style uh, uh, form of justice, uh, the U.S. Congress allotted $40,000 to Montana for the express purpose of constructing a territorial prison. Mm. So on the 19th of November in 1867, the territorial... Uh, government chose Deer Lodge, which is an area in Montana, as the site of the facility. And on the 2nd of June in 1870, the cornerstone uh, was laid. Uh, this is another one that has a really interesting look to it. Whenever I hear prison, I think of like the beige building with the mm-hmm. barred windows and everything. Very square. Yeah, I guess also, I mean, when you think of all the escapes we had from old prisons, maybe that's why these new ones look the way yeah. they do. Um, let's see. Right, so, the original plans for the building called for a structure which held three tiers of 14 cells, but due to the difficulty of acquiring the materials, the cost to ship those materials, and the expense of hiring labor, the new building would house only one of the three tiers. Mm. So, on the 2nd of July, 1871, U.S. Marshal William Wheeler took possession of the first nine prisoners to be incarcerated in the facility. It only took a single month before the prison was overcrowded. By August, six more prisoners had arrived. The, I couldn't read this, burgeoning? Yeah population was quelled somewhat when in June of 1874 another tier of 14 cells was finally constructed and the civilians of Deer Lodge were calmed when a 12-foot board fence went up the next year in 1875. The prison's population continued to grow so Congress allocated an additional $15,000 for the construction of another tier of cells but the soft brick of the building couldn't support any more weight. Mm. So instead, that money went to an administration building with guard barracks, a warden's office, and a visitor's reception. And then, finally, in 1885, $25,000 served to provide the prison with a three-story cell, bro- cell block with, a f- with 42 double occupancy cells mm. uh, Happened and then that was completed in 1886. So the Montana Territorial Prison was finally completed to original specifications just in time to be handed over to the new state of Montana in March of 1890. That's a lot to unpack there. Yeah, so it was like slowly but surely finally built. And then <coughs> uh, in 1959, there was a prison riot, which lasted. Ooh, okay. Yeah. So, on April 16th, 1959, Jerry Miles and Lee Smart led 12 inmates in a, lot, in a riot, which left Deputy Warden Ted Roth dead. They took 18 prison employees and five stool pigeon inmates as hostages, 
soaked rags with flammable liquid and threatened to burn them alive. Mm. The riot claimed the lives of three people, wounded several others, and had uh, the facility under inmate control for 36 hours. Wow. Yeah. So after those 36 hours of mounting tension, the warden Floyd Powell implemented a daring rescue attempt. The National Guard fired a bazooka at the tower where the ringleaders were headquartered. Meanwhile, a team of men burst burst through the door in the west wall, and they crossed the yard and entered the cell house and freed the hostages. Miles and Smart were found dead in an apparent murder-suicide mm. at the top floor of the tower. And they say, is it these two lovers that still haunt the death tower? Ooh. Yeah. So some of the claims. At this ruined old state uh, prison, visitors have reported terrifying paranormal activity, including the sensation of being choked by some unseen force. And then in the former site... Of the women's prison, people have been pushed down corridors, overwhelmed by feelings of dread and anxiety, and have emerged with scratches covering their bodies. So that those first few are kind of like the classic feeling, mm-hmm. right? Choked, yeah. anxiety. But many visitors have also felt a sudden, unexplainable coldness when they walk through certain areas. Others see strange mists, fleeting shadows, and darting figures. Eerie sounds are often heard as well. So this place also has an area called the hole, which you had. It seems like a lot of places have places called the hole. So it says, while no actual acts of ghostly violence have occurred, there is apparently something sinister lurking inside. So there have been multiple claims that something in solitary confinement tries to attack people, shoving Mm. them and whispering things but the uh, whispering is too soft to actually be made out Mm -hmm. and heard. Um, Almost as many prisoners died in the hole as those who were sent to the gallows. Yeah. Um, Many paranormal investigations have taken place there over the years, and nearly all of them have experienced unexplainable activity. So the hole, this is solitary confinement, so it's not like they're supposed to be there to be killed. So why are they dying? Exactly. Oh. So that, at, which is, you know, you go to the gallows to be killed. You exactly. don't go to solitary confinement to, mm-hmm. to die. And one group actually was even able to communicate with a female voice who identified herself as Nancy. Okay. Now, this next, like, activity inmate is my favorite. Ooh, because okay. they call this ghost Turkey Pete. Just in time for Thanksgiving. <laughs> Happy, happy, I almost said happy birthday. I'm so <laughs> out of it. Happy, yeah, turkey pee. Happy turkey day. It's funny because um, every now and then if something like in my house is like disorganized, we'll be like, why is that all sloppy pee? Like for no reason. I'll <laughs> Who's be like, Pete? I'll be like, mom, I can't find any matching socks. I can't go out in public all sloppy Pete. And I have no idea <laughs> where, where that, that came from. comes from. But he actually was a well-loved inmate and he went a little crazy and started to sell the flock of prison turkeys 
to inmates. Hustling. Whole sentence from start to finish is just wild. Uh, yeah, seriously. So we have prison turkeys. Now they're being sold by a crazy man named Turkey Pete's. But he was well loved. Yeah. I mean, who wouldn't love a guy who sold turkeys, yeah. right? Like he could be selling worse. He could, he be, could be like that weird toilet line that people make yeah. in prison. <laughs> so everyone liked him. So the prisoners were allowed to print money from the prison's press just to Aww. humor him. He eventually bought thought he bought the prison and he would thought he was paying the guard's salary. Bless his little heart. Right? So when he died in 1967, his was the only funeral ever held by the prison system. Mm. Right? So this is kind of endearing because he went crazy, but it wasn't like Jack Nicholson, the shining crazy. Yeah. It was just... What a pure soul. We have a, a man, uh, he literally just celebrated his like 100th, 101st birthday. And... He comes in, and when I first started working there about seven years ago at the restaurant, he was on, like, a four-legged walker, and now he's in a wheelchair just because mm-hmm. he can't walk as well anymore. But he'll still, like, scoot himself around on the feet, but on his feet. But, like, he does whatever he wants, and we're like, okay, like, got to do what you got to do. Mm-hmm. And he'll, like, you'll walk by, and he'll, like... He won't catcall, but he'll be like, it's Miss America. And if that was anyone else, I'd be creeped out. But But it's him. We just kind of let him do whatever he wants. (laughs) And he'll come in, like, hopped up on painkillers. Like, what a vibe. I walked him down the main aisle once, and I sat him, and he was like, who are all those people? And I looked to where he was pointing, and all the tables were empty. Oh, my God. All right. You know what? Like, you do you. Yeah, like, and I feel like with this guy, they're like, Pete's selling turkeys. Let's just, let's just handle him because it could be, like, if. And he was so nice. He was trying to pay the people's salaries. Exactly. Like, Like, it's the same thing. If he would, like, take food and be like, here, I made this for you. Since he could be doing worse things. Yeah. I'd be like. Thank you. It's like you a know? little kid that has their their fake kitchen and they like, yes. make me a taco and they give me like a piece of lettuce. Like, and yum, like, yum, yum, thank yeah, you. Thank you so much. Yeah. I feel like it's such a hostile environment. They were like, you know what, Pete? Sure, thanks. <laughs> so his cell was converted into a barber shop and some prison employees will swear Pete is still around. And honestly, I feel like for Pete... He could be around. Oh, definitely. Honestly, it seemed like he was happy there, even though he really didn't know what was going on. Exactly. He's probably like, I still got turkeys to sell, <laughs> man. Like, so cut to the Ghost Adventures investigation. So we begin with physical contact. And while in one of the cell blocks, Zach, Aaron, and Billy simultaneously began feeling extreme anxiety. And it is also known or also shown that Billy's heart rate significantly increases. Um, And then they see an apparition. At the same time, they're feeling this anxiety. An orb shoots out of Zach's hand, which moves toward Billy and Mm. then comes back. Weird. Yeah. And then they had another uh, apparition. An orb is captured on an X camera coming down directly from the noose in the gallows, which I like because... We all know in the gallows, the floor. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then they had some unexplained noises. They had a loud trap door noise, and then they had noises and, like, kind of a ruffling sound, a loud noise and footsteps. 
Mm-hmm. And then there was some physical contact. While they were in the gallows, again, Zach feels an intense wave of energy. And when he leaves, he feels dizzy and disoriented. Um, and honestly, I love when he gets really out of it. And he's like, you guys, yeah. stop filming. We're like, yeah. Zach, are you okay? And he's like, I don't know. <laughs> Those are Spot just the on. best. Um and then we had a visual sighting where Billy sees movement on the stage in the theater, which I didn't even know they had. Um, yeah, why'd they have a theater? And then the ovulus um, caught Tom, Woods, shoot, self, and weapon. And I kind of wish they had gotten, like, they got Pete. turkey Pete. Right? Exactly. Um, but I'm looking back, and there wasn't anyone known mm. as Tom Woods. At least not in, I mean. There could be in the, I mean, Tom's a common name, yeah, so there had to have been some prison records yeah. of someone. Also in the pre-investigation, there might have been something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Anyways, we had physical contact again, where Aaron and Billy feel an ice-cold energy. And then an apparition, where a figure is captured on that Connect camera. Uh-huh. I love that. up and down the stairs in the gallows and moving its arm on command. Those get me. Yeah, they creep me out. Those really get me. And then an equipment malfunction, where an ex-camera shooting inside of the theater just goes out. Mm. And then there was another equipment malfunction with an ex-camera the batteries began kind of exploding oh. and fizzling acid. And I know they always put a new battery, so it's not like it was an old battery that mm-hmm. they just never replaced. Yeah. They always, and they always check too. Mm-hmm. Spirit box voices got one. Mm-hmm. And I what wish, does that mean? I wish, um, I wanted to kind of watch, try to watch these, but I, you know, this was a couple nights ago, I fell asleep. Um, but I wish when, I, when I'm on the wiki and they say these things, they put, like, what the question was that had been mm-hmm. asked. Uh, but it doesn't say. Um, and then physical contact. Billy feels electricity across his forehead while he's using the Pilfner device. Mm-hmm. And then disembodied voices. They heard a male voice. And then finally, an apparition. Zap captures a figure using the digital still camera outside Ooh. the yard. Yeah. So we have a good amount of things happening here. Uh, and a place in Montana. I mean, I would never even think of that. Think, uh, oh, okay, right? that place has all this history right? behind it. I mean, maybe Turkey Pete I could see. Yeah. You know what I mean? But all that other stuff. And I didn't know. Um, I mean, when I was reading, I found out there was a theater, but I didn't see anything big happening in the theater. Yeah. Um, could have missed it. It could have been one of those things that's only mentioned, you know. And I feel like also we have, to, we have to think about... You know, in these in, in these penitentiaries, in these jails, prisons, um, a lot of shady shit gone has gone down. I mean, and yeah. uh, wh- where I'm going to be talking about next, you'll be seeing a lot of corruption. Yeah. Um, so there is probably stuff that happened off the record that yeah. we don't know about that happened yeah. because the officers tried to cover it up or, you know, there's know so that, many different factors. Yeah, and I know that some prisons... I'm so tired. <laughs> some prisons... Do have stages. Mm-hmm. Um, what is it? Johnny Cash performed at a prison. Oh, did he? Has, yeah, he has a live album, and it's really good. Um, and then there's, I think on Orange is the New Black, don't they do like a Christmas pageant I want to watch Orange is the New Black. I've just, I feel like I'm too far behind, but I need to start watching it. I have only ever seen a couple episodes from when my parents were binging it, and I just remember it's good. The, uh, what, like the crazy lady went in, and there was like a Christmas pageant. So, you know, I guess... Like I said, I've never been to prison, so yeah. I, I'm not familiar with the general average. Uh, Check out our next week's episode. <laughs> Rebecca and Lily get locked up. Ooh, 
<clears throat> All right. So I'm going to tell you guys the last and final um, story for today, which is going to be located at Eastern State Penitentiary. Woo-woo! Very famous penitentiary to all ghosts and ghoulie lovers. Yes. Um, it's a place a lot of people go there during, like, I mean, they can go all year round because they have tours, yeah. but especially during Halloween, they kind of have like a haunted attraction sort of thing that is very yeah. popular. Um, so it was a former prison in Philadelphia, uh, Pennsylvania, and is located at 2027 Fairmount Avenue between Corinthian Avenue and North 22nd Street in the Fairmount section of the city and was operational from 1829 to 1971, so a long-ass time. Um, The penitentiary refined the revolutionary system of separate separate incarceration, first pioneered at the Walnut Street Jail, which emphasized principles of reform rather than punishment, which what what jail should be, you know? Um, and the warden was legally required to visit every inmate every day, and the overseers were mandated to see each ma- each inmate three times a day. Um, so although the Auburn system was favored in the United States, and the Auburn system is um, where they held, wh- which held that prisoners should be forced to work together in silence and could be t- subjected to physical punishment, Eastern State's radical floor plan and system of solitary confinement was the model for over 300 prisons worldwide. So, originally, inmates were housed in cells that could only be accessed by entering through a small exercise yard attached to the back of the prison. Only a small portal, just large enough to pass meals, opened onto the cell blocks. This design proved impractical, and in the middle of construction, cells were constructed that allowed prisoners to enter and leave the cell blocks through metal doors that were covered by a heavy wooden door to filter out the noise. The halls were designed to have the feeling of a church, essentially. Um, and some believe that the doors were so small um, so prisoners would have a harder time getting out, minimizing an attack on a security guard. Okay. Um, and others have explained that the small doors forced the prisoners to bow while entering their cell. This design is related to penance and ties to the religious inspiration of the prison. The cells were made of concrete with a single glass skylight representing the eye of God, suggesting to the prisoners that God will always watch them. I had no idea this had such religious... Mm-hmm. Me neither. And some people believe that this is, like, um, that this was ran by, like, the Quakers, but, like, there's no real evidence. There's a good amount of Quaker, um, a good Quaker population in... Yeah, but then they look at, like, who actually, like, ran it, like, and only less than 50% of the people were Quakers, so Uh, there's not really any connection there, so it's all up in the air. Um, but outside of the cell was an individual area for exercise enclosed by high walls so prisoners could not communicate. Exercise time for each prisoner was synchronized, so no two prisoners next to each other would be out at the same time. Prisoners were allowed to garden and even keep pets on their ex- um, keep pets on their exercise yards. And when a prisoner left his cell, an accompanying guard would wrap a hood over his head to prevent him from being recognized by other prisoners. Um, so just to put that out there, I mean... There's some really good things of like, oh, they're letting them garden, they're letting them have pets, great. But then we also have to understand that they're also extremely isolating them. And we know as, you know, psychology goes that you keep someone isolated from any sort of interaction for a long period of time, they're going to go crazy. Um, so yeah, that's just... they had pets. They did have pets. Do you think any of them were turkeys? I mean, I would, <laughs> I would be fine to be isolated from everybody and just have <laughs> a dog. I'm totally okay with that, but um, maybe not everyone else. 
But um, cell accommodations were advanced for their time, including a faucet with running uh, water over a flush toilet, as well as curved pipes along part of one wall, which served as a central heating during the winter months, where hot water would be run through the pipes to keep the cells reasonably heated. Um, Toilets were remotely flushed twice a week by the guards at the cell block. The original design of the building was for seven one-story cell blocks, Hmm. but by the time cell block three was completed, the prison was already over capacity. So all subsequent cell blocks had two floors, and toward the end, cell blocks 14 and 15 were hastily built due to overcrowding. They were built and designed by prisoners, and cell block 15 was for the worst-behaved prisoners, and the guards were gated off from there entirely. Holy shit. That's that serious, yeah. So um, inmates were also punished there with the individual treatment system. Um, at this time, at this time, this form of punishment was thought to be the most effective. Um, like I said, they were separated from others, and like I said, this type of punishment of keeping people away from one another, mm-hmm. just in the long run of things, just isn't good. Keeping people isolated yeah, it, um, makes them like, go what mad. Do, what do you think is going to happen? Yeah. By the time this is they thought that this was the best treatment. I mean, there was good intentions behind yeah. it, but the result wasn't what they wanted. I mean, unless some of the prisoners probably had already gone mad and they're like, Well, mm. we're gonna do a turkey Pete and let him <laughs> do his thing. Yeah. So the solitary confinement system eventually collapsed due to the overcrowding pop, uh, population, and by 1913, Eastern State Penitentiary officially abandoned the solitary system and operated as a congregate prison until it closed. So the penitentiary was intended not simply to punish, but to move the criminal towards spiritual reflection and change. But unfortunately, in the grand scheme of things, the guards and counselors of the facility designed a variety of physical and psychological torture regimens for various infractions, Mm -hmm. including dousing prisoners in freezing water outside during winter months, chaining their tongues to their wrists in a fashion such that struggling against the chains would cause the tongue to tear, strapping prisoners into chairs with tight leather restraints for days on end, and putting the worst-behaved prisoners into a pit called The Hole, an underground cell block Mm -hmm. dug under cell block 14, where they would have no light, no human contact, and little food for as long as two weeks. They also faced abuse from guards that included lashings with a leather strap, um, being left for days strapped to a chair, being kept in small, unventilated cells, um, and like I said, the hole is like one of the more famous things that yeah. was occurring there. Um, Holy shit. But while people didn't have the best rooming situations and all this, Al Capone, who was one of the <laughs> inmates there for nine months, had a nicer room than I have now. Like, let me show you. Like, this room is... I love it. Right? That looks cozy. Right? Well, it actually looks like, warm. I feel like if it's Al Capone, you gotta, like, He's treat got, him as well as possible because he could have you killed still. True. And th- that's the thing. Um, He was making so much money even from inside the prison because yeah. he was able to connect with people and still do his operations mm-hmm. outside. Um, And he also paid off a lot of these guards. Look it at that super, rug. That's a beautiful... We always used to right? have rugs like that in my old house. Like Me the, too. Yeah. But, yeah, so... That happened. Um, and then in 1924, President, this is, I thought you'd find this funny. Um, in 1924, Pe- Pennsylvania Governor Gifford Pinchot allegedly sentenced Pep, the cat murdering dog, <laughs> an actual dog, to a life sentence at Eastern State. Pep allegedly murdered the governor's wife's cherished cat, and prison records reflect that Pep was assigned an inmate number, number C2559, which is seen in his mugshot. However, the dog has, has a, a mugshot. Mug 
However, the reasons for Pep's incarceration remains a subject of some debate. A contemporary news, newspaper article reported that the governor donated his own dog to the prison to increase inmate morale. But no. I don't know. There's, yeah, there's a couple rumors. Oh, my God. The dog. I know. That's like the OG. Well, I guess not a therapy dog, but... It could be, kind of, because he was, if this was meant to increase inmate morale. They really could have made his inmate number K9. Oh my god, they missed what that. What the fuck? This it's is like why. What do with the K9 unit? Yes, this is why Eastern State Penitentiary went down the, tw- the drain because they weren't creative. Okay. This, yeah. So on April 3rd, 1945, a major escape was carried out by 12 inmates, including the infamous Willie Sutton, who over the course of a year managed to dig an undiscovered 97-foot tunnel under the prison wall. Holy shit. And during the renovations in the 1930s, an additional 30 incomplete inmate dug tunnels were discovered. Like successfully all the way out? N- inc- they were incomplete. Uh-huh. But yeah, they were like 30 attempts. Holy shit. Um, now it's designated as a la- national landmark since 1965. Um, and when the prison closed in 1971, many prisoners and guards were transferred to Greater Feared pr- uh, Prison, which is about 31 miles northeast, uh, northwest of Eastern State. And the city of Philly purchased the property with the intention of redeveloping it. And the site had several proposals, including a mall and luxury apartment complex surrounded by the old prison walls. Uh, But during the abandoned era, which was, like, from closing to, like, late 1980s, Mm -hmm. um, a forest grew in the cell blocks. And by forest, I mean just, like, a lot of shrubbery and... Um, Moss, pr- yeah, the prison became home to a lot of stray cats. Um, and then in 1988, the Eastern State Penitentiary Task Force successfully petitioned Mayor Wilson Good to halt redevelopment. And then in 1994, Eastern State opened to the public for history tours. Mm-hmm. So is ESP haunted? So according to sources, Cell Blocks 12 is known for the echoing voices and cackling. Cell Block 6 for shadowy figures darting around the walls. Cell block four for visions of ghostly faces, and many people have reported seeing a silhouette of a guard in one of the towers. Footsteps, wails, whispers, the same stories over and over again. It's a consistent consistent amount. And then one of the most legendary tales comes from Gary Johnson, who helps maintain the crumbling old locks at the prison. And in the early 1990s, he had just opened an old lock in cell block four when he says a force gripped him so tightly that he was unable to move. He describes a negative, horrible energy that exploded out of the cell. He, was torment- he said tormented faces appeared on the cell walls and that one form in particular beckoned to him. Ah. Yeah. So um, this clearly could be... Um, I mean, God only knows, this could also be on some sort of burial ground before they built it that we don't know about. Um, clearly, there was a lot of torture going on in this penitentiary that shouldn't have been going on. So there could be a lot of disturbed True. souls. Um, but yeah, so a lot of people come here because of the reputation behind mm-hmm. it. Um, you've had people, ghost hunters, I'm assuming Ghost Adventures has visited yeah. here. Um, but this story I actually found on Reddit. And... Um, this talks a little bit about their experience being at Eastern mm-hmm. State Penitentiary. So, <clears throat> about 11 years ago, I got the chance to spend a few hours at night in the prison. At the time, the show Ghost Hunters was a really popular show, and there was an event held featuring Jason Hawes, Grant Wilson, Steve Gonzalez, and other people that are a part of the paranormal field, such as John Zaffis, Chris Fleming, and Chip Coffey, um, which were just a few that he could recall. Yeah. 
The guy who played Andy in the first two child play movies was there as well, which sounds odd, but he was a huge fan of the Ghost Hunter show, which Aww. this guy, Andy, actually grew up in Maywood, which was my original hometown. Oh, my God. At, when my dad was on the council um, during, like, the 4th of July parades, my dad walked with him. That's like, so and, yeah, cool. It was pretty cool. The event was, as whole, pretty neat. I'm not a paranormal investigator, but I've had many experiences, and it intrigues me. I also really wanted to experience the prison at night. I'm so glad I did, because it was definitely interesting. In the famous cell block 12, I witnessed many dark shadows fitting from cell to cell, flying across one side to another. At one point, Grant scared the crap out of me by popping out of a cell all excited, telling me I had to go in and check it out because he had been hearing footsteps in it. Sure enough, after a few minutes of standing still and silent in the middle of the room, I began to get this feeling of being watched. Nobody was outside the cell. It began to get uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. The best way I can describe it is it felt like something was circling me. And then I did hear a few scraping noises or steps going around me. Later that night, Chris Fleming took a group of us to another cell block and asked if anyone felt they were sensitive and happened to have a recorder. I did, and he had everyone else line up alone each side of the long corridor and instructed me to walk down the center. (coughs) I'm sorry asking questions, or picking people to ask one of their own. I was wearing sneakers, so my feet didn't make a sound, and everyone else was told to remain quiet unless I tapped on them. Just as I reached a girl about a quarter of the way down, I was about to tap on her shoulder when suddenly the sound of heavy boots came from the catwalk above us. There's no railing up there, so it's not in use. No one goes up there. We both looked up, and of course, there's nothing there, but the boots falls. The boot falls were clear I guess, but the boot falls were clear as day, then faded into nothing. The girl and I confirmed we'd both heard it, but strangely, only those of us right near that spot had heard it. No one else further down did. Later, when I listened to my recorder, I had in fact caught the footsteps both in the cell I stood in as well as the cell block. The creepy thing was that also recorded from the cell was a deep male voice whispering. I wish I still had the recorder, but it got lost during a move. Okay. So yeah, if you're in the area or happen to visit Philly, definitely go check that place out. So wow, yeah. And I also just want to add last thing. Um, so Eastern State Penitentiary always gets asked, "Are you guys haunted?" <laughs> but the um, people that are or tour guides they say that they don't claim that the place is haunted. They just offer a haunted attraction. So um, you know. That's just kind of, I guess, like their legal way of being like, we yeah, can't guarantee yeah. that this place is haunted, but we offer haunted attraction and, you know, whatever you discover, yeah. you discover. Yeah. So, yeah, that's my uh, stuff. I, I actually went to, uh, they do around Halloween, they do Terror Behind the Walls. Oh, okay. And it's like a walkthrough haunted house and they have like actors and everything. And I went, I think, two years ago. Okay. And it was insane it was terrifying like i said before i'm such like a little bitch to <laughs> staged haunted houses like even when i went through and like they were people i knew at the one near me mm-hmm. you know i was screaming in their face like i fell out crawling on my hands and knees i was so terrified <laughs> don't and, go to a haunted house with lily honestly don't it's <laughs> terrible and I was, I mean, I was with my friend, I was visiting, I was visiting Olivia, Mm -hmm. and she went, she went to school um, in Philly at the time, and I'm, it was fucking, it was so scary, and it was my first time at, like, a haunted, like, a haunted house, haunted house, like, the staged kind or whatever. We waited in line, and I'm known for, like, getting sick in random places, Mm -hmm. like, I think it... 
Like, like I literally, I threw up in a hardware store once and I like tried to make it into a meme. I got so scared. I almost threw up. Like I was, we got, went through and I was screaming and there were like, you know, like people in like a fake dentist's office. They're like, let me have your teeth. And I'm like, I have veneers. And I was screaming. I started doing this thing where I would kick my leg into a room before I entered because I wanted to know. Just to see what was in there. And literally the next day, my legs were so sore for like uh, two days, like it felt like I had been working out. That like, was your leg day. Yeah, that was leg day for me, first and last. <laughs> and like you get like these breaks sometimes in between rooms, and I'm like, I don't know, Liv. I don't know if I could do this. And she's like, Lily, really? Like this is fine. And we have a picture. There was an actor at the end. You take a picture together. Yeah. And there was an actress like with like bloody like face or whatever. And I'm like scared, scared. And I know when they take the picture, she's gonna jump out. And this picture, I'll post it for you guys. I am so, I'm screaming. And, like, if you look at Olivia's face, like, she's startled. <laughs> That's me. <laughs> Please post that. That's me. That's amazing. Yeah, there's, I'll post the little slideshow. Oh, my God. That's us at the end. Like, Hysterical. Yeah, it was absolutely. Good times. And the, but they had, like, they had actors waiting out front, like, in stilts and everything. So it got you in the mood, but. Holy shit, I am such a little bitch in those things. So if you guys learned anything from this episode today, you've learned that Lily's a little bitch. I am! But honestly, this was so cool. And a couple of these places also, I meant to, like, plug them. They do haunted houses as well. I know, like, old Ohio state does it, does something similar. It's called, like, haunted, you know, and usually they're around Halloween. So definitely... Check those out. And if you guys have any around you, definitely go because it is fun and yeah. it is worth it. Um, and that's me saying it. And I, I got out. I was like, Liv, I need a bottle of water. If Lily can get through it alive, you guys can too. Yeah, pretty much. All right, guys. Well, that is our episode of Just Schooly Things talking about haunted jail. So thank you guys so much again for listening. You guys are the best. Um, all right. Ready to plug the social media? Let's do it. All right. Follow us on Twitter. JGT Podcast. Instagram. Just Ghouly Things Podcast. Our Facebook page. Just Ghouly Things Podcast. Our Facebook private page. Just Ghouly Things Podcast. And you can definitely donate to our Patreon. Just Ghouly Things Podcast. And if you or someone you know has a paranormal experience that they'd like to share with us, please email us at justghoulythingspodcast at gmail.com. All right, boo things. <laughs> we will see you next week. Goodbye. Goodbye.